Hi guys, uh, welcome to the Boston North Shore Young Life Podcast. It's me, Elena, and I am sharing today, and I hope you guys enjoy. So today, the theme that we are going to be talking about is um, learning to love well. I chose this theme because this question has come up many times in my life. I think it's super applicable to our current season of life. And I also think it's fitting because it pairs well with what we're learning in leadership, which is um, learning to be good disciples. So all in all, I think it pairs really well, and I hope you guys enjoy. First off, I want to say that there are many ways to love well, and I do not know all of them. (laughs) I am just like you guys, and I am very much still learning how to love um, others well and how to apply this to ministry, um, especially in young life and just to the kids in the North Shore. So with that in mind and disclaimer, I am actually going to start this podcast. So as I was thinking about what I was going to say or share, I was looking at some scripture and there were a few things that I think God really just pointed out to me. Um, One of them is 1 Corinthians 13.4 and the other is Ephesians 2.10. Now I know both of those verses are kind of cliche, but I will elaborate and go in more detail with them. So. The first question I want to ask you guys is, what does it mean to love well? The second question I'd like to ask you is, how does God define love? As I mentioned before, um, we're going to be taking a look at 1 Corinthians 13.4, which states about love. Um, It's kind of the iconic love is verse. Um, But just in case you guys don't have a Bible with you, or I'm not sure, you can't look at it. Um, I'm just going to read it quick. And so um, 1 Corinthians 13.4 states that love is patient. Love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts. It always hopes, it always perseveres, love never fails. Wow, (laughs) I don't know about you guys, but every time I read that, I just get chills. (laughs) For many different reasons. Um, I'm excited, I'm humbled, 
terrified and yet oddly calm. I, when I read that vo- like that verse, I'm excited um, because that's just absolutely incredible. God loves so well, and to make it even better, He loves me. <laughs> um, that's astonishing and humbling, and it's just so crazy that He loves me like that. Like actually. <laughs> Like, I also don't deserve that. And so I think that's also why I'm terrified at the same time. Because I don't actually deserve that kind of love. Sometimes I am the worst. I have done so many things that I don't deserve to be loved in that way. Yet, I'm kind of calm because he chose to die on that cross for me and my sins. And he chose to save me when I didn't deserve it. That is insane. Um, And his love, um, which is the list of things that I just read before, um, and so much more, that fact, that love, I can dig into. And that is a constant. And it's just so comforting. um, And it gives me peace. And there's like a calmness to life uh, because of that verse. And so... When I think of the question, how does God define love? I think of those things um, and I think of how much he does in all of that to love me. And then sometimes I think, wow, I could I could use a lot of work, Elena, because I don't love in that way all the time. And so that's something I can definitely work on, but it is just amazing to think about. God loves me. Um, And so, in case you don't believe me, because sometimes that's a little too cliche, um, I'm going to share another passage um, to just prove how much he loves us. Even though sometimes we say it, but not actually feel it or absorb it or meditate on it. So, um, the second verse I want to share is Ephesians 2.10, which is, you are his masterpiece. Um, Okay, so... (laughs) Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Jesus Christ so we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago. (sighs) Again, chills if I think about it. But um, (laughs) I like this verse for many reasons. And I'm just going to explain a few. Um, But first, I think before I explain the verse, I'm going to do a quick story time. So hopefully you can understand and will better illustrate why this verse is so important to me personally and hopefully important. After my freshman year of college, I got a summer internship in San Francisco leading urban missions. Uh, So basically, I would lead high school students and middle school students slash church groups um, in and around the Bay Area. Um, And we focused our ministry on the people facing homelessness um, or people who are just less fortunate than us. Um, And so by doing that work, we were introduced to the depravity of the world. Um, We just witnessed a lot of brokenness. Uh, So basically, the story kind of starts. I was a month or so into the summer internship, and 
there was a kid on a church group and basically he just came up to me one day when we were kind of near the end of the week ending his trip and he asked me how do I do it? How do witness such sadness? Doesn't it hurt your heart? Um, it's a really sweet and innocent question but I remember answering yeah of course it hurts my heart I it breaks every time that I see something happen um, and then his follow-up question was well then why stay here and continue to do the work when it seems so hopeless and like no one or nothing will ever change and it sounds cliche but in the moment <laughs> I said I did it because God loves me now I know that sounds like I said cliche but it is so true um, I said I love because he loved he looked slightly puzzled so I tried to explain it to him in another way um, I said look up um, it was nighttime so when he looked up he saw the stars um, and I pointed out the stars and we basically took a moment uh, to take in their beauty and just revel in awe and wonder. Imagine the clearest night you've ever seen. You can see the brightness of the stars and they're just so clear and vibrant and breathtaking. Um, I asked him how cool they were, right? Um, and his answers was, duh, of course they are, they're the stars. I replied, I know, I totally agree, they are just magnificent. And then I said, well, when you see these stars, you're just, your breath is taken away. But this can't even compare to how God views you. The stars are not his masterpiece. You are his masterpiece. I just remember this moment so vividly because I think he just paused for a minute and he stopped looking at the stars and he looked at me. His eyes were just about to water and he kind of took a deep breath and he quietly said underneath his breath, God loves me. After my freshman year of college, I got a summer internship in San Francisco leading urban missions. Uh, so basically, I would lead high school students and middle school students slash church groups um, in and around the Bay Area. Um, and we focused our ministry on the people facing homelessness um, or people who are just less fortunate than us. Um, and so by doing that work, we were introduced to the depravity of the world. Um, we just witnessed a lot of brokenness. Uh, so basically the story kind of starts, I was a month or so into the summer internship and uh, there was a kid on a church group and basically he just came up to me one day when we were kind of 
near the end of the week ending his trip, and he asked me, How do I do it? How do you witness such sadness? Doesn't it hurt your heart? Um, it's a really sweet and innocent question, but I remember answering, Yeah, of course it hurts my heart. I, it breaks every time that I see something happen. Um, and then his follow-up question was, well then, why stay here and continue to do the work when it seems so hopeless and like no one or nothing will ever change? And it sounds cliche, but in the moment, <laughs> I said I did it because God loves me. Now, I know that sounds like I said cliche, but it is so true. Um, I said, I love because he loved. He looked slightly puzzled, so I tried to explain it to him in another way. Um, I said, look up. Um, it was nighttime, so when he looked up, he saw the stars. Um, and I pointed out the stars, and we basically took a moment uh, to take in their beauty and just revel in awe and wonder. Imagine the clearest night you've ever seen. You can see the brightness of the stars, and they're just so clear and vibrant and breathtaking. Um, I asked him how cool they were, right? Um, and his answers was, duh, of course they are. They're the stars. I replied, I know, I totally agree. They are just magnificent. And then I said, well, when you see these stars, you're just, your breath is taken away. But this can't even compare to how God views you. The stars are not his masterpiece. You are his masterpiece. I just remember this moment so vividly because I think he just paused for a minute and he stopped looking at the stars and he looked at me. His eyes were just about to water and he kind of took a deep breath and he quietly said underneath his breath, God loves me. Sometimes I replay that scene, that conversation, over and over in my head. When things are going so poorly, or I feel so lost, or hurt, or angry, or frustrated. Whatever is going on in my personal bubble, with my family, or friends, or at school, or at Gordon, or even the world. Sometimes I need this reminder that God loves me. And more than that, God loves me more than the stars. Because we're his masterpiece. Sorry, a second thing to just kind of go off of that is I really want to emphasize 
how important the word masterpiece is in this verse. Um, as an art major, this word is quite daunting. It's something you learn in the beginning of your studies, and it's just the value and the importance of a masterpiece. Um, I think because this verse is sometimes cliche and we hear it all the time, it's just there, you know? Like, it gets thrown around kind of like love, and sometimes I think we use it so much we forget how heavy it actually is sometimes. Because throughout history, artists have come with collections that have involved hours and hours of labor. Their blood, their sweat, their tears have been put into pieces sometimes. Um, the meticulous layering of a painting or the intricate details that are added or subtracted or painted over or redone or cut up or added to, who knows, they're kind of getting thrown in there. And then somehow at the end, they're revitalized. Most artists create a lot of pieces, but only a handful of them are worthy of such awe and splendor. And that handful is what people remember. That's what our, you know, art copies are made of. <laughs> Those few. But the masterpiece, that's the epitome of that handful. It's their life's work. The intricate, intentional design of that piece is so, so important. So when we use that word masterpiece, we need to remember that we are gods. It's not just something he scribbled on a piece of paper. This is a well, well thought out plan of meticulous decisions of pushing and pulling and adding and subtracting and wrestling with to become this beautiful masterpiece, us.